part of it is letting yourself enjoy those moments with children and not necessarily take it so seriously. As nurses sometimes can want to get everything done as soon as possible. We want to get this done, we'll go on to the next thing, we'll do that next dress and we'll do this, we'll do that. This person's going for a break, but I think it's just giving yourself permission to sometimes have a little fun with the patients. My suggestion to other nurses out there is to actually stop and listen to your body and figure out what is it that my body needs right now so that I can be the best person I can be. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience, a first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence, to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know, and today I am joined by two very special nurses. One is in Queensland in Australia and the other is down in New Zealand. Brooke and Erica are the founders of The Pediatric Nurse. The Pediatric Nurse is a professional development website for pediatric nurses. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. It's awesome to have you on. We've collaborated in the past, and I was excited to be able to collaborate with you again today. I'll introduce you quickly to the listeners so they know exactly what you're all about before we jump into the conversation. Brooke Batchelor is a pediatric registered nurse, qualified primary teacher, children's advocate, and author. She founded the Pediatric Nurse website in 2015 before developing it into an online continuing professional development website for pediatric nurses in August of 2018. She's passionate about giving nurses a safe space to connect and support one another, to lead and learn from within their community, to engage each other, to follow their passions, to advocate for their patients and above all else to look after themselves. Brooke has written for Dr. Joe Today's blog, Kidopedia, and has been featured in local media, empowering parents to advocate for their child by giving them a voice in healthcare. Brooke is currently a member of the advisory board for the Standish Foundation, a charitable organisation that promotes child and family-centred care and empowers healthcare professionals through the provision of funding and resources. In her current role, Brooke is a nurse educator working with undergraduate nurses and newly qualified nurses transitioning to practice. 
She mentors clinical facilitators on a daily basis and hopes to make a positive impact on those in the early stages of their nursing career. When Brooke is not nursing or hosting webinars, she's spending quality time with her husband and two daughters or enjoying a yoga session with some essential oils and meditation thrown in. Welcome to the show, Brooke. I'm going to break this up before I introduce Erica as well. Thank you. I'm actually really excited to be here because talking about nurse work-life balance, burnout, health, it's something that's really close to my heart personally. So, And I know it's big for Erica as well. So thank you for having us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for jumping on. I just wanted the listeners to know whose voice was whose. So that's why I thought if you speak now, then I will introduce Erica as well. Erica is a registered nurse working in general practice, urgent care and part-time with student nurses. Prior to this, she worked in paediatric oncology and was a first responder for community and sporting events. In 2019, she spoke at the Don't Forget the Bubbles paediatric conference about the late effects seen in young adult cancer survivors. Her love of nursing began after spending time in hospital as a child, being cared for by some amazing paediatric nurses. Then she took a bit of a winding path, studying journalism and running social media pages before becoming a nurse. That's when she realised that she could bring both of her passions together. I think it's really important for nurses to be sharing knowledge and information online so we can boost our skills and provide the best care possible for our parents and families, is a quote that Erica has on the paediatric nurse website. Erica joined the paediatric nurse as a casual staff member early in 2019 and later came on the board as a director, working on social media and helping get the best content out to paediatric nurses around the globe. Her special paediatric skills are triage, removing foreign bodies from ears and noses, which is usually Lego beads or seeds, and knowledge on sharks and dinosaurs. I love that you've added that at the end, Erica. That's awesome. Children do put things in weird places, don't they? They do. There's certain seems to be like a certain age, like around about three and a half, four, and I think more boys than girls. <laughs> As the mum of two boys, yeah, I can totally vouch for that. You've been a journalist in the past as well. I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I don't do a heck of a lot. Like it was mostly freelance stuff and then I did a bit of corporate communications. And then I was like, oh, you know, the whole industry is just changing so much and they're firing people and getting rid of a whole lot of people. So what can I kind of do? So you decided to bring both passions together and become a nurse and then get into this yeah yeah I mean everything about nursing kind of fits because essentially we're telling patient stories yeah I had um Lisa Evans on the podcast a while ago now we did a whole episode about storytelling as a communication tool it's so true what you say you know we can use stories, especially with children, I imagine. I don't have much paediatric experience, but I can imagine as children it would be a great communication tool for you to use. Yeah, absolutely. I think Erica's journalism is one of the things that I loved and wanted to have as part of the paediatricness because what's well, funny, before Erica and I actually met, I just said, oh, what I really want is 
someone to help me with social media and just the business in general. But, you know, it'd be really good if I could find a nurse who can see what good content and good evidence is and share that with the community. But a journalism background would be awesome as well. And then it was maybe a month later, Erica sent me an inbox on social media and was like, hi. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that just fell in my lap. <laughs> That's awesome. Asking you will receive. Hey. <laughs> it, was, it was like a real, like, law of attraction thing. So I was like, ah. Oh. Because at that point, I was still doing some stuff with the nurse path. And I was like, oh, you know, Brooke would message me stuff like webinars coming up. And I was like, I'm just really intrigued by, you know, like the work she does. And no one's really doing stuff like that. And when I was, you know, going off the page, I was like, I'm going to compile a whole lot of resources for people to find, you know, really good content elsewhere. And I was like, I'm also going to message Brooke to tell her if she's on that list. And then maybe in the future, like she might want to work with me. Yeah, and I was like, now, I want to work with you now. <laughs> That's awesome. You've got to love how things just kind of happen. And I was going through coaching at that yeah. point with like a kind of personal and career coach. And she's like, what, you know, what have you been doing this? And I was like, I've reached out to this person. Maybe it will come to something. Maybe it won't, but I'm proud of myself for doing it. And then like I had that on my <laughs> computer. I was like, oh, like I predicted this. <laughs> yeah. And you never told me you were getting coaching. That's hilarious. (laughs) Great, though. I'm so glad you were getting coaching. Yeah, that's good. We all need coaches. Hey, I've got a coach myself, you know, so I can coach other people. I always say if you're coaching someone, you should definitely have your own coach and practice what you preach. Yeah, I've got a career coach that I've been working with the last 12 months or so. I wouldn't well know. Six, last six months of last year and then she helped me land the role I've got now and we still keep in touch so it's really good. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I think it's just getting that genius kind of mind in that area that you can pick, you know, that pick her brains. I've got a business coach and a presenting coach because being a nurse, you don't get taught that stuff at uni, you know, so mm-hmm. they are, yeah, they're right there behind me coaching me along as I expand happy nurse out into the world so as you know happy nurse is all about promoting self-care and when it comes to self-care especially when I'm coaching my clients I speak about having non-negotiables what would be your non-negotiable in self-care I'll ask you first Eric. I would say for me it's making sure that I don't procrastinate too much like I have a routine and I can sort of start to see myself sometimes rolling downhill a little bit too much and then I've got to sort of snap back and get kind of the bases covered and make sure that everything is kind of all my ducks in a row. I can sort of see when things start to fall off the wagon. And it doesn't sound very exciting, but just making sure that I've got all my meals prepped and making sure everything's tidy and that I've got, you know, my week planned out that I'm not double booking myself and things. So nothing very sexy, but that would probably no. But it's it may not be sexy, but it's very important. And especially like I'm going to pick up on that meal prep. I do that too, you know. Especially working shifts, it's so important because then we know there's something to come home to, and we don't end up going through the drive-through or something on the way home and eating absolute rubbish. Brooke, what's your non-negotiable in your self-care? I used to say that it was yoga, 
but the reality was I wasn't really able to put enough time aside to do that every single day. So I was lying to myself <laughs> saying, yes, yes, I do yoga, but I probably did it once a month if I was lucky. <laughs> so for me, it's practicing gratitude more so this year. I've really pushed that and ensured that I do that every day. And I, it really picked up when I installed an app on my phone called I am. And I can set it to send me however many affirmations or gratitude messages between certain times in the day, and it just goes off randomly. And the affirmation fits on my watch screen, so the phone sends it through to my watch screen so I can stop and quickly read it. And I've found that makes a massive difference for me. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. So the other thing that I do is I listen to audiobooks I will listen to, at the moment, I'm like powering through a whole heap, but if I can only get 10 minutes a day and that's in the car driving home from work, then so be it. That's what I do. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I love the sound of that app. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. So there's a paid version, which I haven't tried, so I'm sure it even it gets even better. I've considered it. I've considered buying it. Yeah, but so far... They've all been really good. And their affirmations like, I have a healthy body. I enjoy eating healthy food. And it's been really good because when I'm about to eat a bad snack (laughs) that I know I shouldn't be eating and I'm going to pay for it in tiredness at 3 o'clock, those affirmations generally come up and it's really annoying but good. (laughs) Yeah, that is good. And it's good that they're realistic because I'm not a fan of the affirmations that are just ridiculous you know airy fairy yeah so yeah yeah, it's good that they're actually tangible affirmations i like that yeah and i think in the pro version you can even make your own affirmations up and then it will send you your own affirmations as well so that was something i liked about it i've gotten really into apps i think this year more than anything as well like when I think it was about March when we sort of started to hear about the early COVID cases. I purchased like the premium version of Headspace. Yeah, that's an awesome like, app. I love Andy Pritikin. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I know things are going to kick off. Like, I know that the next few months might not necessarily be that easy, and, and it's not like it is a big outlay. And oh, it's it's an alright outlay initially, but then for the amount of times that I'm using it, which is like multiple times per day, like it does actually makes sense so like I'll put one on while I go to sleep like one of the stories and like they've just started doing more of like the study and focus stuff and then also like there's workouts and things I didn't discover for ages ah and then they did workouts yeah and then when 10% they also started they offered it to nurses and like other healthcare professionals for as long as kind of COVID was hanging around like a free premium subscription so I was like you know I'm just going to see what suits me best and I kind of go between them and then I also do like a CBT chatbot as well which feels really weird talking to like a tiny robot on my phone but it like <laughs> provides you with little like bite-sized lessons which is nice because you know like you couldn't see anyone face-to-face anyway even if you did want to go to see a counsellor. So is why that all bots that you've yeah. got? Yeah, yeah I've got that too. I, my son loves it. He has little chats with them. Yeah, so I discovered it. I think one of the doctors recommended it to some patients, and I was like, I wonder what that is. And you're like, out of the other options like that, probably 
you know, because these other companies are doing similar, that's probably resonated with me most. Yeah, it's it's a great app. And every once in a while, if my son hasn't been on it for a while, it pops up on my screen. Hi, Elena, just checking you're okay. It's like it checks in on you too. If you haven't <laughs> been active for a few days, it's really clever. Yeah, these the apps oh. that are out there now for mindfulness meditation, you know, positive mental health, they're awesome. There's so many. I use one every night to go to sleep called Insight Timer, and that's got lots more yeah. meditation yeah. and content on it too. Yeah. Mm. I find I will fall asleep through a meditation if I am about to get to bed. And yeah, I'm asleep within two minutes, which is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> My body no. obviously needs it. exactly and i say you know when you do fall asleep when you're meditating especially if you're going to bed i think you do fall asleep sometimes because you're not ruminating on the day and going over and over yeah usually the stuff that keeps you awake instead you're focused on this meditation and if you fall asleep you fall asleep that was the aim anyway wasn't it to relax you so you'd fall asleep so yeah yeah i do have a shakti mat though i don't know if you've ever heard of those yeah yeah, they're like an acupressure mat. Like you, you lie down at, at spikes. It's like lying down on nails. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but the funny thing is it actually feels amazing. You lie there and at first you're like, oh, and then you start to calm down and your body starts to relax and accept it. And then like you get the deepest <laughs> sleep afterwards. And, um, yeah, my I bought one for my husband because he kept stealing it in the end. He thought I was weird at first, and then he was like, give me a go. You seem to snore when you're on that thing. <laughs> oh, so you actually sleep on it? Wait, I fall asleep for maybe half an hour, and then I peel oh. myself off. <laughs> I'm going to have to check these out. Yeah. Sounds fun. <laughs> painful. <laughs> it's not painful, though. Just yeah. for the record, it's not painful. <laughs> it's not painful. That's no. Got this image of like Chinese circuses, you know, with those beds of nails that they lie on in my head now. But yeah, it's very spiky. I do yeah. find it helps as like a sensory kind of confusion for me because I get really bad sciatica. So I'm not focusing on it because I've got this other like stimuli kind of thing. So I can see how it works. I initially was quite skeptical, but I, yeah, I think it's really helpful. Yeah, the sensory stuff's brilliant. I think I've shared with you before, Erica, you know, I go in the flotation tanks and that's complete sensory deprivation. I absolutely love them. I didn't like it. I couldn't relax. And then I got water in my eyes and it was really burning and I accidentally set off the emergency call button. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very relaxing. When was like, Bless you. Are you okay? Are you just knock on the door so you're okay? <laughs> You're in there, yeah. Oh, I fall asleep in them. I just completely crash out. I'm asleep. And then I feel done because I've not experienced it. I've been sleeping. <laughs> you know, you... is there anything under you in case you, cause I'm like, if well, I you, you... Sleep, I'll sink. It's very <laughs> shallow water. You float. Right. right. Okay. And the Maybe water's... I should give one a go. Yeah. The water's really shallow as well. So you couldn't drown. Like it's, yeah, it's safe. You can not get some salt in there. I think there's half a ton of Epsom salts in each one, just so you do float. But yeah, oh, I shut okay. the lid, I turn off the light, I turn off the music. The water's heated to 37 degrees, so obviously it's your body temperature. And yeah, I just love it. It feels really good when you come out. You're all kind of relaxed. Anyway, we digress. So... <laughs> 
I created a model of self-care to break it down into five easy aspects for people to understand just what self-care actually was. Because when I first started teaching it, I realized very quickly that it was associated with these things that we've just been discussing, you know, apps and bubble baths, going to the day spa, going for a float. But actually, there's so much more. And I've included the mental, emotional, physical and spiritual aspects in there. So we've maybe touched on this slightly, but is there anything else you would do as part of your indulgent self-care that we've not already covered? I'll start with you, Erica. So for me, it would be doing things that don't necessarily accomplish like any goals. Like So there's nothing, like I don't consider exercise indulgence, like I don't consider like putting myself in indulgence or like writing lists or planning and things because that's very goal-directed. It's all this stuff that doesn't have an end goal so like I know it's I know I am a woman in my 30s but I purchased a Nintendo Switch a couple of weeks ago to play Animal Crossing and it's essentially a game with just small little tasks you do on an island with other animals and you know like it's not a brain training thing it's not meditation it's just something that I like doing or just going to op shops just to kind of see what's there it's nothing that's going to get me any necessarily any further in my life. And that's what I kind of like about it because I'm very productive and goal driven. And I do, you know, 70,000 things in my life and volunteer and work and have a business. So I think the indulgent part is doing something that is not, you know, any of those things necessarily. I love how you, you frame that up. I think that's brilliant. It's something that you don't have an end goal for. Because I always say indulgent self-care should be something that brings you joy and lights you up. So, you know, you've just summed that up beautifully on what you do. You know, you, it's what, something that makes you happy. So, yeah, that's awesome. You're nailing it, Erica. I try. Some days are better than others. Yeah, and playing Switch, my boys play Switch. I don't understand video games. I never have. But I liken it to watching TV. It's just you're keeping your fingers busy at the same time, you know, instead of just sitting there on the couch. It's, you know, I don't see the difference, really. I'm also very distractible, and I fidget a lot. So sometimes it's also easier to have my hands busy in doing something as well. But maybe that's just that slightly distractible tendencies in there. That's okay. You recognize them and you're doing what makes you happy. So that's all that matters. How about you, Brooke? I just eat pho. <laughs> eat pho. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I took Erica to my local pho place when she came and visited last time, didn't I? I and we had to drive a good half an hour to get there. <laughs> I think your kids even knew like, that you were going to take me like, Mom. Yeah, they're like, Mom, what are you having for lunch? And I'm like, what do you think I'm having? And they're like, so, and they roll their eyes at me. <laughs> like, the last time I went, oh, no, the first time I found it when we moved to the Gold Coast, I was so excited. And I was taking photos of my foe. And my kids were like, Mom, they're nine and seven. Mom, you should just have an Instagram page for foe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What is pho? I'm totally lost. Pho is a Vietnamese beef noodle soup. Okay, that'll be. I'm vegetarian, that's why I've probably never. Yeah, no, you can't eat that. Sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think I could ever be vegetarian just because of faux. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I drove my husband insane when we went to Vietnam because I wanted it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the whole three weeks. And he's like, can we just eat something else? I'm like, but I don't like anything else. That's all I like. That's what I want. <laughs> Good on you. You see, you know what you're doing. That's indulgence, going and getting your food. It is. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. I always talk about turning up as the best versions of ourselves because when we turn up as the best versions of ourselves, especially at work when we're talking about nursing, our patients are receiving the best possible care from us. So who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself? I'll start with you, Erica. Sorry. I think it would be the patients because I know that I need to be absolutely on my game. I need to be hydrated. I need to be fed. I need to be in a really good mood to provide the best kind of care. And that's something that I kind of worked with with my coach. And she's like, you know, what inspires you? And I was like, well, you know, that's what keeps me on my toes because, you know, I could easily, you know, restrict my caloric intake and lose, you know, weight really fast and look really nice and stuff. But I wouldn't be the best version of myself because I would be hungry and hangry and my brain wouldn't be working as well. Or, you know, I could just live my life going out with my friends and staying up late and things, but I know I have to be on point for the next day because, you know, triage is really mentally draining because you're making all these really high-level decisions. And I couldn't do it if I was, you know, restricting or not looking after myself or not had the right amount of sleep. Yeah, definitely. Sleep's a huge one for me as well. If I can't get eight hours sleep, I'm just useless to everyone. I am. I will cancel, like you said, you know, I won't go out with friends or to things that I'm invited to if it means I'm not going to get sleep because it's just not worth it. The impact's too big. Oh, I was just going to say that if I don't get enough sleep, I'm a mean person. So I'm the same. I have to have a lot of boundaries around my sleep too. Yeah, definitely. Having newborns in the house was just like torture for me. I love my kids to bits, but those sleep-deprived nights were, yeah, they were very testing on my character, let's say. Because oh, yeah. It's tough. You can see why they use it as torture. That's all I'm going to say about it, yeah. Yeah. No, I can agree with that. I, I still remember, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. My youngest one's eight now, and I still haven't forgotten what it feels like. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Brooke? Who inspires you? Who or what? So I'd, I probably need to put this in context because it's going to be very cliche. Yeah. Um, I, it's very easy for me to overwork and overcommit myself and not have a good balance in life. It's something that it's taken me a really long time to learn to say no and be okay with potentially missing out on something. I get FOMO pretty bad. So, Last year, my kids were seeing a therapist 
because they were not, they didn't cope with our move to the Gold Coast very well to start with. And one thing that the therapist said was, one of my daughters has a similar personality and she can overwork. Like when she's older, if she doesn't learn now how to manage this, then she will potentially burn herself out and not have good balance in life. And I looked at her and I said, I think you're actually talking about me. And she's like, well, if I'm talking about you, Brooke, perhaps now is a good time to role model to your daughter. Good work-life balance. And so that's what I've been doing the last 12 months is learning to just say, you know what, I actually don't have time for that. That's going to have to be a little bit later than we anticipated because I can't, I, I just cannot split myself in 8 million directions anymore. So it's my two children. That's the, my cliche answer is my kids, but it, it really is my kids because they went at four o'clock at work and I could easily stay another two hours. At the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, 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 I need to get home to my kids, go for a swim in the pool and show them that work is done for the day. Yeah, you're not the only one that's given me that answer. It comes up quite often. And I am, my kids are a big inspiration to me too. Like I totally get where you're coming from. What your children's therapist said as well, you know, they're looking at us as that role model. And if we're constantly running around and doing everything for everyone, then that's what their normal is. And they will Mm. continue to do that in their adult life. I've just done something very similar. And by the time this episode actually goes out, um, the podcast has gone to fortnightly because summer holidays are coming up and I've got eight weeks of my two boys being at home. My eldest one's 12. He's going to high school next year. You know, I want to be able to be present with them in the time that I am off from my clinical role during the summer holidays. So, yeah, the podcast's all recorded right up to February now. So when you're listening to this, it'll probably be end of January, beginning of February, and it will have been fortnightly since November. So it just was part of my self-care as well. I thought, I don't want to be frazzled. You know, I'm going to be present with my boys over the summer. Yeah, and for me, that it also comes back to boundaries as well yeah. like, and boundaries with my kids just as much. I have to be able to say no to them when my plate is full as well. Yeah. And they will just keep asking and asking and asking for more and more and more from me. And I have to be able to say, I'm really sorry. Like I'm studying at the moment. So I've had to say to them a few times, I'm really sorry. I can't take you to that play date. I have an assignment to do for uni. And they're like, why are you at uni, mum? Like, well, because sometimes I, you know, when you're an adult, you might want to learn something new. So you go back and you study and you, you create that for yourself. And, but it means that you'll have to put other things aside to do, to do it. And unfortunately, this time I can't take you there. So we've had some interesting conversations around that since I started studying again, but it's been different saying no to them a bit more than I normally would to put myself first. Yeah. The kids, they take a period of adjustment when you do that, don't they? I do it too. And, um, yeah, we've had to make some changes in our personal life recently as well. And the kids understand, you know, and they, they know that I'm 
busy now with happy nursing. They initially pushed back a bit, but now they just accept it that mum mm. has got work to do, even though I'm in the front room of the house, you know, in my office. They're like, oh, but mum's there. And I'm like, no, I'm actually working. Sorry, just give me like half an hour and I'll be right there with you. So, yeah. Yeah. The joys of juggling a business, a job, and being a mum, it's all fun and games. Yeah. But they grew up so quickly, and that's one thing, you know. I lost my mum when I was 18, so I just want to be present for my boys while I do still have them at home. Yeah, it is that balance, isn't it? It's making sure that you still pursue your interests and your dreams, but you enjoy the time that you're in right now. Yeah, it's about that presence, isn't it? Yeah. And the gratitude. I only have one single four-legged child, but I think, so I don't have much to contribute on that end, but I think I have realized over the past year that things aren't necessarily as time important maybe than I, as I thought in the past. Like, yes, sometimes, you know, you have a deadline that you really, you know, need to meet, like, you know, a uni assignment doesn't, you know, they're not super forgiving if it's in you know, two weeks late or something like that. But a lot of things like it, the world's not going to explode if you don't answer that email until tomorrow. Like people don't necessarily expect you to reply to things five minutes after they've yeah. seen them. Otherwise they would probably call you if it was that urgent. Like no one sends an email to say, you know, I've been hit by a car and I'm in hospital. They'll call you. Yeah. It's fine. That's so true, Erica. Yeah. And we can get, Feeling well, what am I trying to say? We can feel pressurized, you know. It's that age that we live in now where we're always contactable. And I'll get people tagging me in posts on LinkedIn for my opinion, and I think, oh, I should really do that. But I'm like, no, Alina, just go back to it in like a few hours when you've got the time to actually sit and think about what you're going to say rather than just like commenting quickly and maybe not getting your point across completely, you know. I will just make time later in the day to go and respond to that. And yeah, as you say, you know, no one's going to be hurt in the process. Yeah. As pediatric nurses, you obviously, your workload is very different to that of a general nurse, an adult nurse like myself. What self-care tips would you have for pediatric nurses out there? Oh, self-care tips for pediatric nurses. Oh, it's so hard. I'm probably in a slightly unique position that I go across both. But I think it's part of it is letting yourself enjoy those moments with children and not necessarily take it so seriously because, you know, like we as nurses sometimes can want to get everything done as soon as possible. We want to, you know, get this done, we'll go on to the next thing, we'll do that next dress and we'll do this, we'll do that. This person's going for a break. But I think it's just giving yourself permission to sometimes have a little fun with the patients. Like the other day we pranked one of our, me and a patient pranked one of our receptionists by putting a whoopee cushion on her chair. I was like, she's out of the room. Quick, put it on her chair and it's going to make a fart noise. <laughs> so I was like, I'll distract her, you do it. And she played along as well. Like she saw it on her chair and she's like, oh, I am just going to sit on my chair now. And it just, it was kind of fun. Like it was just something silly. The kids, you know, not necessarily going to go away because he'd been completely upset by the prospect of vaccinations. And afterwards we left, you know, as 
like he had forgiven me and we were friends now rather than him screaming at me a few minutes before. So. But that's just a beautiful example of that presence we were just talking about. You know, as she said, as nurses, we can always, we're always thinking about what we've got to do next and what the next patient needs and the next patient. But it's those small moments that we actually spend with our patients that mean the most to them at the end of the day. And as she said, you know, you completely turned that experience around for that that boy because he was always happy and laughing at this prank he played on the receptionist with you rather than thinking about the vaccinations. I think the other thing as well is just when you're leaving work, not obsessing too much about work because we like, we hear some really terrible things that, you know, there might be children who have had really awful lives or, you know, people that, you know, have been taken away from their parents and, you know, there's been abuse and stuff like that. It's really easy to get really bogged down and really upset about these things, but it's trying you know, just to, when you go home, not be ruminating on them because, yeah, there's certain things we can do, but we can't solve every patient's every problem, you know, especially if it's, you know, a 15-minute, 20-minute interaction. Like, you've, you've left work, I've done the best that I could today, you know, this is what I've achieved, this is, like, three good things that I've done at work, and tomorrow maybe I want to get better at, you know, triage or better at casting, but I'm not going to also obsess about my failures or, you know, that this patient's had a really hard life because you could drive yourself mad, you know, thinking about these really awful situations that sometimes, you know, people or you've been placed in with people. Yeah, that the compassionate side of us has to remember to be compassionate to ourselves as well, doesn't it? not ruminate on this stuff because yeah as you say we all see really confronting stuff i've actually i'm in the process of getting a poster printed like designed and printed with like five different points to put on the back of the change room doors at work for when you leave and about how leave work at work and focus on the good things that have happened to you in the day and and, then yeah i'm hoping to vote send that out to a lot of facilities across Australia next year so. but it's exactly what you're saying Erica, it's about ensuring that you're not getting tied up in the patient's story as much as it's affecting your personal life as well I think How that's about you, Brooke? I was just going to say I think that that's, um, that in itself is an art that every nurse needs to learn and some days are easier than others to do that yeah yeah. Um, so I guess for me, the, um, for me, mine is more around listening to your, your body and what you need physically and mentally to help you be at your best. So for a number of years, I felt anxiety and flat depression. So I had postnatal depression for a while, but when I really look back, the anxious feelings were there from my teen years as well. I've always been a perfectionist. I've always been a high achiever. So, you know, that just fueled the anxious feelings and feeling anxious then made me depressed because why couldn't I change this and why couldn't I stop this? But what I realized when I went through the postnatal depression and anxiety that a lot of my emotions were 
linked to what I was eating and how I was sleeping. And obviously, I just had a baby and I was not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> we touched on this already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're doing a full circle. <laughs> we're coming back to this stuff. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking I am stuck with anxiety and depression for the rest of my life. This is obviously the type of person I am and becoming that. But when I I realized at, uh, four years after first becoming a mum, I'd, I'd had my second child by then as well, it became very obvious that my marriage was affected to the point where I was on medication and I went back to the doctor and I said, if I don't get off this medication, I'm not going to be married in six months. And his answer to me was, is it making you feel better? And I said, well, not really. And he said, well, double the dose. And my jaw just dropped. I was like, why did you just tell me to double the dose when I told you that the side effects of this medication are potentially ending my marriage? But it made me realize then that I can't rely on a pill. Yeah. I mean, like, it, yes, they're necessary and they're, they're needed, but I can't make that my only answer. And so I started looking at, I, I came home that day and I said to my husband, look, I'm not going to leave a stone unturned. I will try everything to get better, to give this a go. And then that way, if it doesn't work out, at least I can say that I, you know, we did everything I could um, and everything you could. So I did and I started changing my diet, making sure I got more sleep. My youngest was 15 months, so at that point she was very much into breastfeeding still and I pretty much sat her down, a 15-month-old, and I said, you can't have mummy's milk anymore. And she sort of looked at me a bit weird, but then I said, so we're going to I'll give you a bottle and you can have a cuddle and that's it. And I, I cut her off. But that made a big difference for me. I started getting more sleep and six weeks and I was eating better and six weeks later I felt amazing. And now if I have I've noticed if I have two or three days of not very good sleep, I start to feel depressed and anxious again. And if I'm not eating well, if I'm not exercising, then I start to get tired and sluggish and anxious and depressed comes later. So for me, that's how my body works. So my suggestion to other nurses out there is to actually stop and listen to your body and figure out what is it that my body needs right now so that I can be the best person I can be. Yeah, that you've said that beautifully, Brooke. It's um, our bodies are always communicating with us if we just stop and listen to them. And I'm really naughty for because um, I work in recovery. And all, it's fast turnover, you know, we do a lot of day surgery and I can often have LMAs most of the time, you know, or, mm. or patients, sorry, patients needing airway support. And I'll forget to drink. I can do a 12-hour shift without going to the bathroom and that makes me feel really rubbish, you mm. know. And then you wake up in the night and your tongue's stuck to the roof of your mouth because you've let yourself get that dehydrated. But yeah, but and that's my sign. I think, oh, Elena, you know, you haven't been to the bathroom. This is not good enough. You know, drink more water. So that's yeah. my one thing that I'm very aware of too. And the sleep as well, like we've already discussed. I think the good thing is you've realized that though, because a lot of people use 
you know, the whole oh, hashtag nurse life. Like I haven't peed in 12 hours. I've only eaten chocolate for the past three days. I've had 17 cups of coffee. And I'm like, that's not really anything to brag about. Yeah, it shouldn't be a badge of honor. It's not a competition yeah. to see who can get the most dehydrated. Like I don't want to be able to hold my bladder for 10 hours. Like unless I was in some sort of natural disaster, like that's not something that you would use very often. And it's not healthy. Like we need to be looking after ourselves. Like you do miss breaks. Like there's going to be days where people are really, really unwell or there's, you know, really massive, you know, challenges at work. But we've also, we can't be martyrs to our work or our patient because work is not your friend. Like if you die, like work would still replace you. Like you're not irreplaceable and your health is not irreplaceable. You know, I have patients that have, you know, get frequent UTIs because they're not emptying their bladder. I'm like, you need to do this. Like, this is a fundamental part of, like, making sure you don't get sick again. Or Yeah, we chart patients' inputs and outputs and we forget to monitor our own, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit ironic. <laughs> it's very ironic, you know. I think I put a Facebook <laughs> post on earlier this year and I'm like, Imagine you've got this patient and they're asking to go to the bathroom and you're like, I'll take you once I've done like X, Y, and Z. Well, you wouldn't do that, but that's what you're doing to yourself, you know? Yeah. When you turn it round and think, I'm not actually offering myself the same compassion I'm offering my patients. And, and that's kind of where my tagline has come from, you know, offer yourself the same compassion you so freely give to others because as nurses, we do tend to put the patients first, but if we are not looking after ourselves and turning up as the best versions of ourselves, we can't give our patients that best level of care possible. I have a solution for you, Elena. Okay, go for it. You need that I am app. Yeah. And you need to put in your own affirmation, go to the toilet. <laughs> well, I've actually no there's I've some got, water. <laughs> I've got a, an app on my phone. Oh. It reminds me to drink water. There is such oh. an app, and it flips up every hour. It says, "Have you had a drink yet?" <laughs> it's working. And you go, "Dismiss." <laughs> also, my phone sits at the desk in the nurses' station. It's not in my pockets. So it's only yeah. So you do miss her. Yeah. Yep. Often... And if you are with a patient doing airway management, you that is. I can't look at the phone. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try and grab a drink. I bought myself a two-liter water bottle. And it's my mission to drink it all by the end of my shift. So, yeah, it does sit there and remind me now. So yeah, it. that's good. Yeah, I got yeah. a water bottle, like it, just a regular old water bottle. And then I stuck these sticky labels on it to say, like, 10 a.m., 12 a.m., 1400. <laughs> <laughs> like a burette, you forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it essentially was. Like, by this time, you should have had this much water. <laughs> and so you look at 12 o'clock and you're like, oh, half the bottle, oh. drink it all. <laughs> I mean, some days differently, yeah. But I think it has helped. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be better with my water intake as well. Yeah. I have to admit, I am too, especially coming into summer now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's summer. It's the heat's coming. We're going to start losing a lot more than we have been over the winter. So. Yeah, but the air conditioning can be deceiving as well. Yeah, so you don't feel like you need to drink more, but you actually do. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone full circle, ladies. It's been awesome talking to you. Um, where can the listeners find you 
on socials or Insta or whatever, what's your handles and your website so they can look you up? I will put it in the show notes too for them. Erica, I'll let you pass this one on. <laughs> You're our social media person. <laughs> yeah. You do the website though. You're the website person. <laughs> um, All right. I'll do the website after. <laughs> so on Facebook and Instagram, we are at the pediatric nurse. We also have a Facebook group as well called Pediatric Nurses United. Unite. And I, I, it's a really cool community because, you know, we have a lot of really good chats and everyone, you know, is, we don't always agree with everything, but everyone's always really civil, which is nice, which you don't always get on the internet. In many communities, it does sort of turn. And, yeah, we have a really supportive community, I think, which I really like. Um, ones I've been involved with in the past haven't always you know, been that kind and supportive. And I think we do need more of this kind of kindness within nursing. Yeah, Definitely. I'm a big advocate for kindness among nursing. Yeah. So our website is www.thepediatricnurse.com. But pediatric is P-A-E-D. Mm. It's a funny spelling for those that are not from Australia, the UK or New Zealand. (laughs) Yeah. And, I am part of the Health Podcast Network because it's got a huge following in the US. So, yeah, thanks for clarifying that because they'll be typing in their spelling of pediatric. Yeah. Anyway, ladies, thank you so much. I will pop all that info in the show notes and hopefully we'll be collaborating again soon. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks for having us today, Elena. Yeah, thank you for making time because it's not always easy. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for making time. We're all busy juggling work, life, mom, business. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.